into your Bronco and hold on to your pancakes to take a drive with us as we return to Haven. This is Troubled, your favorite rewatch podcast dedicated to the sci-fi channel show Haven, based on the Stephen King novella, The Colorado Kid. I'm your first host in our father-son podcast, Alex French. Hi, and I'm your favorite French, Rich French. <laughs> uh, you can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts, like Apple, Google, Podbean, Stitcher. Uh, if you want to reach us, we're going to have all that information at the end of the episode, as well as in the show notes, so you can look up any relevant links you need there. All right, real quick, the kind of format we've been doing is giving you a little quick summary before we move into ratings and discussion. So, so the episode starts, Vince and Dave are fishing. As they're fishing, they kind of pull up a boat that has... Uh, tarp over it mysteriously they pull up the tarp there's a dead body in it of like a very old man and that's kind of when nathan and audrey get called in to investigate this old man who is dressed pretty young and has a uh, a very unique tattoo on his arm so to figure out more information on the case audrey has the gray goal and kind of what happens there so audrey goes to the gray goal with uh, a picture of, of of the man in the tattoo trying to it's asking people if anyone's seen him she runs into Duke, and, uh, we'll, and we'll talk about the goal later as well. She runs into Duke, and then they basically set up a dinner, a dinner date for next week Friday, and then Duke even bets her, you'll be the one to cancel. But we don't really advance anything with the, the storyline there. And, well, one thing I, I, I almost missed was she did, she did see, visibly see Helena there making out with a man, Jill Campbell. Right, and so, Helena is like this sexy woman with dark hair and a dress, right? Like, make yeah, out a guy who's... Uh, a gorgeous yeah. looker you're usually not going to find in a bar in Haven. So, w- without any leads, really, from that, they head to a tattoo parlor to kind of find out, you know, Haven's tattoo parlor to figure out if there's an origins to this unique tattoo. The guy says he designed it, but he put it on a pretty young person. So, it doesn't really make sense that it's on an old guy. Uh, we'll talk about the tattoo a lot more later when we're kind of going over the whole thing. Right, they go to a t- tennis court to talk with Doc Eleanor because Doc Eleanor's got the results, and it turns out the results are it's a per- you know the person's age is in the thirties and died of died of old age, which isn't uh, scientifically possible, but it's but it's Haven. And then Joe Campbell appears. At first, they don't know it's Joe Campbell, but an elderly man comes creeping up on the courts, calling for the doc, and then a tennis ball hits him in the head, and uh, he dies there on the court, and it turns out it's Joe Campbell, so now we have our second victim. You know, they're still trying to investigate. They go to talk to the harbor master, uh, Beatty, or Beatrice. She goes by both throughout the episode. They talked to her before, you know, and she's adopted a child now, and we're introduced to Abby, her midwife, uh, for lack of a better term who's kind of helping her through these bir- uh, through this adoption. Uh, might have just spoiled the episode. Uh, through this <laughs> adoption thing. And there's uh, some mysterious dialogue uh, dropped there that Abby and uh, BD know about Helena as well, who they're kind of on the lookout for because they know Helena was with Joe Campbell that night at the bar and he died like the next couple of days. Uh, but their next goal is to find a lobster poacher, right? They're looking for the lobster poacher. So obviously Audrey has to cancel her date. So we see Duke at the uh, at the goal had his nice dinner all prepared but he's all bummed out because audrey canceled because she was all looking for the poacher and what happens helena appears and of course who's going to say no to helena and uh, she asks if she can join him and duke being a international man of mystery and a lover <laughs> uh, <laughs> he has dinner with her and things go pretty well for him i didn't realize his point. name was duke crocker powers okay yeah, so baby. <laughs> So, uh, and with the poacher, he kind of reveals that his friend was with Helena also. So now Audrey and Nathan have totally put the 
you know, have connected all the dots that Helena is the one that's doing the rapid age. You know, she sleeps with these men and they rapid age uh, like a succubus. Uh, they also find out that there was a case in 1954. S- someone, you know, Leidner was this woman's last name. Um, yeah, someone uh, someone died like old age and then, uh, and then the witness who found the body uh, died in childbirth who was last name Leidner, which right, is right. coming um, up. We'll see the impact of that. You know, they go, you know, they get a call from Duke. He's excessively calling him. They go meet him. Turns out he's rapid aging because he just slept with Helena. They kind of explain the deal with him. Uh, they go looking for her, but Duke is, you know, he's he's getting old as shit really fast. Um, they get up to the house. Uh, they get up, they go up to Beatty's house, go in there. She's nowhere to be found, but Abby's there. And they kind of find the dresses and the harbor master uniforms both kind of in tandem and her with like a baby. And there's like multiple, there's another baby now. How many fucking babies are there? Uh, and eventually they get her to take them to the lighthouse where BD is. Right. And uh, one, one of the things where we said Leidner would come into play, it was on right. her diploma. It showed her maiden name was Leidner. So, I mean, and now everyone knows BD is Helena. Yeah. And where uh, BD goes when it's Helena time is to the lighthouse because it's supposed to be isolated and secure isolated but we know she sure as hell made her way to the goal but (laughs) so they go to the lighthouse and they find you know and then everything's confirmed BD's pregnant with the third child and uh and and it vacillates back from from inside the lighthouse to outside the lighthouse where uh, Nathan and uh extremely elderly Duke are I mean Duke's like getting worse and worse by the minute and then Audrey's in there like while Beatrice knows that it's wrong. Basically going through different iterations, questions, she figures out that the babies, once the babies are in the mother's arms, that's when the guy dies, so. There's a proximity issue too, right? So the baby not just being in the arms, but the baby being near Duke is what's keeping him at the age he's at. Um, He's flatlining, right? Because of the baby being so close, now that it's like coming out. Uh, Nathan's trying to resuscitate him and Audrey's talking to Abby and they're, they're delivering the baby. And then they, you know, they deliver the baby and they, you know, Audrey makes sure that BD knows she cannot keep this child. They have to get the child to a a separate home, which they do. As we wrap things up, you know, afterwards, Abby finds a nice home in Nebraska for, uh, for the baby, for baby Jean. And then, uh, you know, and then Nathan, you know, asks, you know, you know, Duke survives because once the baby gets away from him, he starts recovering, but he doesn't remember much. So, and at that point, Audrey goes to the goal to check in on Duke. Um, they have like a big, they have a, a pretty serious discussion and she tells him about the baby gene, but the stipulation is that the closer he is to the child, he'll start rapidly aging again. So he can never really meet the child or, or else he'll die, which they think won't be that, you know, Duke takes it actually pretty hard. He leaves kind of the room to like, Hey, let me go check the food. But really he's kind of trying to gather himself cause he's on the verge of tears. And as he's in there kind of getting ready, he sees Nathan pull up in his car. Nathan kind of comes out and it's, and Duke's a little excited cause they kind of had a moment. It seems like they're going to kind of reconnect, but then, you know, Nathan kind of stops himself, looks frustrated and gets back in his car and leaves. And the moment they're just not quite there yet. So we close out the episode with the last scene at the lighthouse. Abby is gathering up the babies so that she could uh, take care of them because it's obviously time for uh, Helena. And uh, we actually get to see Beatrice turn into Helena. You know, Beatrice is a nice looking uh, lady, but Helena is, you know, smoking hot. We see that uh, she goes outside up top of the lighthouse overlooking the, overlooking the, the sea and she's chained to the lighthouse. So she can't leave and go get knocked up again. And, uh, 
start killing more people. And that, that's how the show ends. Okay, so just to kind of go over ratings, what what did you think about the episode overall? What would be, I guess, like, I, let's just, let's set determine from now on out of 10. Let's go out of 10. Yeah, out of 10 works. What would yeah. you give this out of 10? I would give this uh, probably a six. I mean, uh, I'm not a hypercritical, uh, you know, viewer myself. You know, I, I am a fan. So, you know, I probably don't see all, all all the flaws that other others might or a more trained eye, but even I found some flaws in this one and some scenes that uh, bothered me. So I, I, overall, I liked it. I would say it's only really for like fans of the show. I wouldn't want someone to watch this as their only episode of the show. Uh, let me put it that way. And I'm not saying it's awful. It's, I still enjoyed it. There's good parts of it that we'll, we'll talk about more and more in depth uh, in a bit. No, six. What would you, uh, is there an episode, besides the pilot, is there any other episode you'd be like, introduce someone to the show with? Well, I mean, when I just think about the quality of the episode. I, I would feel comfortable showing the music episode and uh, <laughs> the last episode, the food episode. I would be, I would be okay showing people those episodes as like their first experience with Haven. I agree, the not this episode. one. Yeah. yeah, I think the food episode was pretty good. I, I, I liked the music episode. I thought it was, you know, I'm a musical person myself who just doesn't have any talent in music. So uh, <laughs> I would, uh, I, I like the music episode. Uh, there was hokey parts with the kind of the Dr. Jekyll thing. So you, you can't play recorder like Ray? The recorder of doom. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll give the creators credit with that term. Like I said, I like the episode overall, but like I said, I'm a hardcore fan. If uh, I had a buddy over and he might watch me going, what's this about? Yeah. What would, what would you rate it? I'd probably give it a five. So for me, like a five is just kind of, I don't consider a five like a failure as much as I consider just kind of like emotionally empty for me. I don't think it was either good or bad. I kind of just have neutral emotions. I thought the plot was really messy, really sloppy. And the character stuff was my favorite. I, I thought the interactions between Duke, Nathan, and Audrey were all solid. I thought a lot of the stuff they did there was was all good. They they gave a good focus to the main three, and we got a bit of Vince and Dave, and that is what I liked. But the actual plot elements, you know, structure was not good. So for me, there's a five where, yeah, it does a bunch of things good, a bunch of things bad, and neither really outweigh the other. So it's kind of just hits in this neutral place of, nah, I wouldn't recommend it. I don't dislike it. I don't like it. It's just kind of there. Hey, there were some like important things that we, you know did come out of this episode because we, you know, they further formed the love triangle, right? Because you know, mm-hmm. not Duke setting up a date, betting who would cancel first. Of course, you would. It's Audrey. It's you know, her uh, her hobby is crime scenes. It really hones in on Nathan and Duke's Duke's relationship. Well, he's you know what was there and where where it's you know where it could be going. So there, there's good stuff in there as as well. So I don't want to be negative Nelly on everything. We see shows like this, you know, in the middle, you kind of got kind of get some episodes like this that, uh, you know, keep the game, keep the game going, keep the ball in play. And I feel like that's kind of what this episode was. The nice thing, though, is we are out of that episode mix up. We're not shuffling things around, pulling scenes and inserting them in other blah, 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 blah. We're, we're finally past that. That's really nice. We saw the gray goal as it was called the secondhand bistro or second chance bistro. My bad. Second chance. I don't second think chance. anyone wants to go to a secondhand bistro. Is the inside just a completely different place? It looks nothing. To me, it looks nothing like the place they were in in the last episode. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just redecorated it really nicely, but it looks like a totally different place. Well, it does. Uh, it does look different. 
And I guess you could say that's uh, Duke's work, you know, he grand, his grand reopening, right? So he made some changes because with the brothers, it seemed like it was more, more focused on restaurant, obviously, with, you know. You I'm know, just chef. surprised Duke was able to put in support columns into the building that I don't think were there before. <laughs> but he, he, he's he's, he's a worldly man. He's got connections uh, everywhere. I mean, so. He takes his I shirt off. That, takes his shirt off, puts his gloves on, starts working hard, you know. I, I don't think he actually does anything, but just carries uh, carries the, the four by four, you know, past yeah. the ladies with him. <laughs> the shirt so, off. Yeah, it, it, is, it does look different. You got to remember uh, that wasn't even uh, even a bar. They, they, they built that. It was, that was just a, a boathouse, like an empty boathouse. So they put in the windows and everything for yeah. the show. So, so they, they spruce it up when, you know, I think, it's, I think you can play that off as, uh, yeah, Duke, you know, Duke put in some upgrades. It looks like a giraffe. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can. You can. It's a show. Uh, not to get hung up on details, I'm not condemned. I'm like, this episode sucks because it's a different place. I just thought it was funny where I was like, this looks like a completely different interior. I know Duke's got some talents, but is he a mass? Or did they get like uh, one of those shows, like a redesign your house show to come in and, or a restaurant uh, bar, bar rescue? rescue? Bar rescue, yeah. John Taffer went up to uh, Haven, Maine, <laughs> and uh, cussed Duke out, you know, and uh, showed him how his bartenders were uh, pouring away his profits, and then insulted everyone, and then fixed it and gave it a new name that sucked. Yeah, unfortunately, he got taken away in a hurricane because of someone's trouble. But at least the bar is working well now. Let's talk about the tattoo. The first victim we the, that you know that Vincent Day found in that boat have that he has that tattoo on his arm, the the very famous symbol. And we didn't really talk about it with the intro last time when we were kind of analyzing the intro, but that symbol is on a rock in the intro scene, you know, the little, you know, the title intro. You can see one of the images behind. It looks like some witches or something. There's a rock with the symbol there. Isn't it, is it the Native American? Oh, maybe it's Native Americans. Uh, yeah, who's got the feather and it's on, it's on the, like the slab of granite by yeah. where he's doing his ceremony. Oh, sounds pretty bad that I call them witches. Uh <laughs> Hey, I freeze framed every image in that montage, and I missed it. And you know, because I didn't think of the tattoo till this episode. Now it's in I our logo. It's in, it's in our logo. How'd you miss it? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, it's like a Rorschach test, right? What I see in the dots, uh, I see maple syrup. That's all I see. I'm like Nathan, singular focused on pancakes. Yeah, it's just a big chocolate chip. Yeah, I, so uh, it obviously plays a much bigger part later on. I thought it was interesting that the, I'm not sure what they're trying to get at with the tattoo parlor. You know, the guy claims that he made it and it's, how is this going to work later? Because obviously, I, obviously it's going to work later, but it was just kind of a strange, I think, approach of him being like, oh yeah, well, I made that fucking design. It's like, well, clearly you didn't because it's in these fucking pictures from 500 years yeah. ago. It, it's, it's got much more history than, than him. And we don't want to reveal too much, you know, of what, because, you know, we, we know what the tattoos are about. Oh, actually, Especially, I don't remember. But then I won't tell you because I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't tell you. What, but the tattoo is important. And uh, even in their commentary, uh, uh, Ernst and Dunn say, you know, the tattoo. One really neat thing that I, I took as a note was when uh, Vincent and Dave were looking at the body, Vince was like just fixated on that tattoo. Mm. And uh, I, I noticed it. And then I was happy when I watched the commentary, They uh, Ernst and Dunn point out how Vincent notices that tattoo and be, and appears distraught or distressed. I thought it was That's Dave why. that was distraught because they were saying Dave 
I think we had the same exact argument last time between Vince and Dave of not being able to figure out of uh, thinking one said what the other said. <laughs> and I don't think I fact checked uh, whatever disagreement we had last time about it. I swear I, I they did. said, I swear they said Dave was the one that who was really, cause Dave walks away. Dave is like, ah, you know, like in le- and like wants to leave. Vince is cool to talk about Lucy, but then Dave is like, no, let's go. And like makes Vince leave with him. But it doesn't really matter which yeah, one yeah. it was. Vincent, was definitely looking at the tattoo, I mean, and was upset. That that will come into play further down the road. And it's just another thing that's fascinating to me is I remember some of these things, but I swore they were further along in the series. Yeah. I didn't realize they unpacked so much in season one. So I'm, I'm Yeah, I, I was expecting more just like, you know, I was expecting more like how supernatural in these shows are where, or Arrow, or like, I was expecting a lot more episodes of just sticking straight to the case of the week thing. And yeah, not, trouble of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's... and I didn't think they revealed as much of the bigger stuff this early. Like, I didn't think Lucy was this early. I didn't think the tattoo was this early. I was like, wow, okay. Duke getting the gray goal. Yeah, the yeah. Tattoo. Did you like Duke's truck? Well, of course, Duke has to, he can't have an American truck. He's got to have a truck, you know, that drives on the right-hand side because he's an international man of mystery. Would you, have you ever driven a car with like uh, the steering wheel on the right side? One time, one time as a kid. Funny you mention it, Los Angeles. My sister's wedding. My sister at the time owned a Rolls Royce that had the steering wheel on the right side even had her husband and her daughter their initials monogrammed on it like everything in it it was uh, it was wow. a really expensive car they, they used it. to have they used to have money it had a jaguar at the same time <laughs> as well <laughs> uh, i've been in a car that drives on the right or uh, i guess you'd say buses in england but but then you're also on the other side of the road too where i was like oh my god I didn't really like how all of the information was really packed in at the end of the episode, you know. I thought it was super sloppy writing to have. We have this whole episode, and we're trying to figure out this big mystery, and yet all this information is packed in at the lighthouse. We're given a giant exposition dump. So, like, the transformation between Beatty and Helena isn't revealed until like there it's not i don't think it's sufficiently hinted at until we find you know when they go into the house that abby's in and we see like the dresses and the harbor master clothes are like right next to each other then we kind of figure you know that's kind of the hint that we're supposed to know that they're the same person right and then the diploma the diploma on the wall oh right right with the the last name leidner which matched uh, the dairy case right right so that connects us to the dairy case but really other than the dairy case their investigation, what else? It doesn't turn up much, right? Like the lobster poacher guy, I feel like that information is already known, you know? Like what good does that do the audience to find out that information since we're already, we're going to, we're seeing it happen with Duke. Like we know Duke just slept with her and we can, we can figure out from there that people who like sleep with her or we know from the guy with the mole, what was his name again? Oh, uh, Joe Campbell. So we know what Joe Campbell and, you know, Joe Campbell dies of old age. You know, we found this first guy that died of old age. And now Duke has just slept with her. Do we really need to know about this, like, lobster, this... Phil, Phil Reiser. I remember the first victim's name. I can't wow. remember where my car keys are, but I can remember <laughs> Phil Reiser. Yeah, like, so do we, need, do we need this information? Like, maybe the cops would need to know this information in real life, but this is a TV show. By that point, the audience is on to, you know, we know the cycle. We know what happens. She's sleeping with people. She's like a succubus. She's draining the life out of them. Uh, we don't really know the baby angle yet, but this is time we could have devoted to figuring out another piece, like figuring out the that they're the same person or that another 
you know, the clue about the lighthouse or something. It feels just like wasted time. And then more, uh, and then all this information is dumped with the babies. She sucks the life out of these men, births a baby in a day. Uh, and if the baby's within proximity to the guy, they die. Which also is curious because were those guys within proximity to the baby being born? Uh, what it's happened when, there? But it's, it's when she first holds the baby, the guy dies. Because remember, that's how they explained how the, 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 the certain guys died on different days. Right. One, one baby had to go under the, I can't, it wasn't a Billy light, but it was, she couldn't hold the baby for like a day or two. And that's why the deaths. Right. So, so this, this trouble has multiple rules sets, multiple stipulations to it. One, she can't hold the baby or it's instant death for the guy. Then the baby has to be a certain distance for the aging process, the aging process to reverse. Like this is such a complex, and, and on top of that, she has two personalities and two different bodies that she shifts between. Which apparently, when does it happen? Because uh, at the end, she's just on the top of the lighthouse, you know, like uh, chained up, so she doesn't go fuck any guys. Like, what are the rules to that? There's so many rules and complications to this trouble that it's overly complicated. It's ill-explained, and it's just it goes from bizarre to like. WTF question marks over my head. Like what's it's, going on? Uh, well, it, uh, apparently when, when it's uh, Hel- uh, Helena time is Fridays. So she's oh, that's a party right. girl. It's Fridays. It's Fridays. It's, uh, Why Fridays? Is it like, it, does the trouble know that Fridays is when the bars, you know, like can stay hey, open to 2 a.m.? If you're going to hook up, yeah, you see, that, you know, Tinder wasn't very popular, I think back in 2010. So, you know, if uh, Helena I didn't know had, if it existed, did Tinder exist? It, I think it was probably back then. It might have been Grinder because uh, Grinder was first. Yeah. Use them both. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Play the whole field, you know? Play the whole field. Increase your odds. That's what I say. Yeah. So, how the fuck does this, this biological or supernatural trouble knows that, like, you know, the young people are out having a good time on? Why doesn't it activate on Tuesday nights? It's just strange. It, it seems like there was some complications, right? Like, so this guy, what's the first guy's name again? Uh, Phil Reiser. Phil Reiser dies, but they don't have a good explanation for why he dies not on the same timetable that Duke and uh, Mole Boy. I can't remember his name. I shouldn't call him that. That's pretty mean. What's the guy with the what's the Jill Campbell. Guy? Joe Jill Campbell. Jill Campbell. Who I should, uh, I should be nicer. And I'll, I'll say this: you see a gentleman who looks like Jill Campbell uh, making out with a woman who looks like Helena. You, you know, dynamite personality. He's got a yeah. huge personality. Uh, so yeah, I just think it's. It's just, it, I think there was logistical issues with the writing that they then try to be like, oh yeah, if, yeah, if she holds the baby, they die <laughs> too. We learn about her grandmother, but we don't learn about her mother. We learn about like, what was her birth like? What happened to her dad? Did he just die? Like, I feel like there's this giant gap in information and then it's uninteresting to watch Abby explain everything to Audrey. It's just not, it's not well put together. Like the whole, the trouble is a great idea. I love it. The succubus, uh, too many different rules. It should just be the, it should just be the proximity to, it should just be the proximity to the father should be the only rule. The, her holding it thing is fucking weird. It is, it, it is, it, you know, like you said, the, the succubus theme is a, is an all time classic rears its head in like most shows of this, this nature. And it's, it's, it's a good one, but yeah, it, it was clunky. And uh, like you said, the, the information dump was, uh, well, why couldn't Abby have shared that a little earlier? Oh, yeah, the baby's being delivered. Now I should tell you. Um, it should just be spread out more through the episode. I thought, like I said, uh, I thought, see, what I preferred was the last episode consumed. They gave us an, a ton of information in the first half 
so then we could feast on all the character moments in the second half. Um, it paced itself well here. It does the opposite, right? They're uh, having all their fun time and then trying to clean their room an hour, like 10 minutes before right. mom gets home, right? right? Well, the one thing about the first scene, uh, we, we learned that Nathan knows what a tickle stick is, which has seemed to impress Audrey. And uh, I had no idea what a tickle stick was. I had to look it up. And uh, so Joe Campbell have a huge tickle stick? He might have because he was a poacher. <laughs> <laughs> he was a poacher. Yeah, the, the tickle stick is uh, like, like could be as simple as just a fiberglass rod for like poking poking the lobsters. I, I I'd never heard of it. You know, if you ask me what tickle stick is, I would think it would be a reference to uh, uh, something anatomical. Yeah, like a finger. Yeah, that of course right? you got right. That, <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. But you know. <laughs> let's talk about Abby, Mother Abby. Um, so I was listening to the. We both listened to the commentary. I didn't listen to the cast when you did. Executive producer, when they talk about the character Abby, who's, you know, as we talked about, BD's caretaker, kind of, uh, is an allusion to Mother Abigail from another Stephen King book called The Stand. Did you catch the reference while watching the show? No, I, I actually did not. And yeah, I know me neither. I, I, me neither. I, I'd mentioned to you that, you know, The Stand is my favorite book of all time. And, you know, I, I felt ashamed that I didn't, I didn't catch it. But then I thought about it, and I was like, well, you know, uh, I wonder if Alex caught it, you know, because I thought for sure you would have caught it since I, you know, but I, I did not, I did not catch it. And then when they talk about it in the commentary, I just, they were like, well, Mother Abigail's like God. And I'm like, no, 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 Mother yeah. Abigail was not God. She was God's prophet on earth in the book, you know, so. I, yeah, I had a real, like, fan moment, you know, like. Yeah, where you sound like a total nerd being like, dude, you know, hey, 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 hey. Like she wasn't God. She was just like a prophet. You know, she was basically, you know, like the messenger of good to, you know, help guide the survivors in the stand to defeat the evil in Las Vegas, which was Randall Flagg's group. Um, she was like the count, you know, the exact opposite of Randall Flagg, right? Right, um, yeah. Which is inspiring them to do the right thing rather than Randall Flagg trying to get everyone to do the wrong thing. Come, come to Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. Your corpse. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it was uh, I didn't think it was a very good I didn't think I don't think they did a good job. Uh, because at the end of the day she's just uh she doesn't do any of the things Mother Abigail does, which is inspire people to do the right thing. She's she's culpable. She's helping BD and you know, like she's just assisting instead of like, hey, you know, I gotta, you know, I gotta push you to be the good per you know, we gotta do this right instead of trying to convince Helena not to fuck people and kill them. Well, uh, she's well, just kind of letting it happen, covering up for her. I mean, after she has the, the the first baby, aren't you chaining her up? I mean, well, yeah. you, you chain her up after three, but, you know, I mean. I gave you three strikes, you know. <laughs> I thought you could learn your lesson, but, uh, yeah. And she knows this. She knows what would happen because she she did had the situation with her mom, right? Instead of Mother Abigail, she's more like Jiminy Cricket, who just fucking lets Pinocchio do whatever the fuck he wants and gets in, he lets Pinocchio get enslaved and start drinking and smoking. He's a fucking terrible conscience. And that's basically what Mother, uh, not Mother Abigail, what Abby does is she just kind of lets these bad things happen. Yeah, she, so, she, ena she enables it. And and it's, yeah, I mean, if, uh, if uh, Audrey and Nathan didn't get involved because, of, you know, would, <laughs> how many would she? Would she have stopped when she had a basketball team? Uh, maybe she was going for a baseball. I hope not a football team. Uh, you know, it's Is like, it 52? 
so yeah. that, that 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 was crazy. And the and they and even and Ernst and Dunn admitted that you know they had some concerns about the character, but they you know because here we have a older African American woman working somewhat in servitude to this younger yeah just the Caucasian the, lady the stereotype yeah. right right the stereotype you know they're very you know they 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 very liberal that you know they really wanted to give a shout out to Mother Abigail. But they you know, and their liberal guilt bothered them. But they thought important to give this shout out to Mother Abigail, so they went with it still. Yeah, and I think they, uh, I think they just fell into both territories, or I should say, they failed at both goals. Uh, I think it's not a very good Mother Abigail tribute. If it's not a good enough tribute, then it does just kind of become this like stereotype, uh, which I'm not gonna like blast them for. Uh, no. I'm at least glad that they were conscious of it. Not a success, you know. You sometimes you miss. No one bats a thousand, and and, and just once again, you know, we might be a little hypercritical because we're such huge fans of you know of, of the stand and mm-hmm. and the Mother Abigail character. It's a great character appearing to people in their dreams. Um, I'm pretty convinced that Ernst and Dunn work for the Nova Scotia Tourism Board. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, uh, the commentary, not that this is a bad thing or anything, I just thought this was like funny, is that in the commentary they always, uh, there has to be at least three points per commentary that they're like, I just want to state again how beautiful Nova Scotia is. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, we can, t- we can see, we can see. Uh, but it has to be pointed out. I'm pretty sure Nova Scotia is giving them a nice little chunk of change to uh hype up hype up the region oh and film there and all, well, all of that yeah. yeah our cinematographer is uh nova scotia there are comments on film versus digital it's a little harder because this was 10 years ago right it was 2010 uh i still just don't agree with that he's saying that the footage of duke and nathan out on like the stairs by the lighthouse isn't isn't uh doable in digital isn't isn't doable in video and i guess maybe he means like tape but by that point i know there was still some like digital tape going on but if he means just pure digital that was totally doable in digital it's not just strictly on film would that be doable but I also don't, I obviously wasn't in the scene then. I don't really know. I know now it's a lot more, uh, the parody, you know, is the, the gap is a lot closer, especially in terms of like affordability for using digital. So I don't think uh, nowadays it, you know, you would skew digital because it's so much more cost effective, but I don't know what it would have been like. I think even then digital would be more cost effective, efficient than film would. Film's like more expensive to process overall. And then you got to think you have to be a lot more careful with your shots when you're shooting on film or digital. It's like, yeah, we'll just delete that. Just clean the card. You know, you have pretty right. much unlimited space. Uh, there was also a funny comment that they were like, oh, you know, shooting on video would be the equivalent of shooting this scene on my iPhone, which in 2010, you know, would be, you know, you're like, haha, yeah, you're right. Whereas now in 2020, there have been many feature films shot on iPhone, right? Like Tangerine and uh, Unsane were shot on iPhones and look look of higher quality than probably Haven, which doesn't look bad, but... No, I mean, for, you know, you accept some things when, you know, it's the sci-fi network, you know, the budget's not going to be the same as, uh, you know, your major, net, major networks, I mean... It, and, and Nova Scotia is beautiful. I think we all we all can agree on that. I actually read an interesting thing uh, in between episode uh, when I was reading about this episode, is that originally this was supposed to go to ABC, and that originally the character it wasn't Audrey Parker, it was Steffi ah. from uh, the Colorado Kid book. 
which you can hear on our Patreon episode. Steffi, yeah, it was originally Steffi, but apparently ABC nixed the idea of a reporter protagonist because they had had troubles with female reporter characters in the past, not and shows with that as like the central focus, not panning out and them having to cancel them. So they basically told them to take it back, re- write her out, write her differently than a reporter. And then, so when they came around with like a new version of the character, it was now Audrey Parker, who was an FBI agent instead of Steffi, the reporter. And then I don't know what happened after that, but then ABC was like, yeah, still no. Thanks for changing. Make, thanks for making all these changes. Still no. But no, thank you. Yeah, that was, well, yeah, it was a, like a five-year process, I mean, to get to the point yeah. right, of filming that they had mentioned. But there's another cool thing they mentioned was that they, uh, they, they say that they know the whole entire story of the series, and they can tell you the last scene in the last episode of the entire series. Now, we'll see if that holds. Wait, wait, wait we, the, entire, we, the entire series or the first season? I remember them saying first season. Do they say uh, entire series? This, I, I, I heard entire series. And then last time we argued about which brother was uh, had uh, auditioned for the role of Nathan, and uh, I went back and rewatched just that scene, and uh, I was correct. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah, it was Bill, not Jeff. Mm. I actually uh, recorded it on my phone. If you want to hear it, we'll have to put that in the extras, the show notes. Extras, yeah, and it's only like a ten-second clip. So, but yeah. only our Patreon folks deserve to have that that little <laughs> yeah. slice of humble pie that I'm going to serve you. Yeah, as we get served a cease and desist from Haven for showing their footage. Uh, I'll just play the audio and then we'll do an artist depiction. Yeah, I'll do a parody of it. Vincent's a sketch artist. Maybe he can help us. Let's talk a bit about that lighthouse scene uh, further since we're on the subject. Duke's makeup. You said you didn't like it. You don't like it? And and I I felt bad afterwards. After I wrote my notes before the commentary, I was like, uh, "Man, you know, I don't, I don't know if that mask looks really realistic to me." And uh, and then when I listened to the commentary and how proud every single person is, Ernst Dunn, and then when I listened to the actors and the other producers, that everyone loved it, and I realized. They had to fly him to Toronto late at night, do it next day, and then fly him back to Nova Scotia. So a lot of effort went into it. You can't take stuff like that, right? That's another thing, right, that I was taught uh, in film school is an important idea was that you can't just appreciate, you can't justify decisions based off of like the effort it took to do them, right? You can't say this shot was so fucking hard to do, so we have to keep it in there regardless of fit, right? Um, not that I actually liked the mask. I actually thought it looked fine. I thought it was his voice that was more like the issue because he doesn't sound like an old man. He's trying. Um, it probably just it was should have taken more post work to fix that. Uh, but I actually thought the mask was fine. What I didn't think was fine was the weird long mustache and uh, soul Manchu, patch yeah. thing. Yeah, it was very Fu Manchu. I was like, did we need? To, I I understand maybe realistically his hair would grow really long, but I'm I'm okay with removing this element of realism in terms of it not looking completely preposterous is like distracting because the wind is also blowing it around as he's trying to have this serious moment with Nathan. And I'm like, what the fuck is with that? I guess they were saying that his, uh, you know, his kind of mustache yeah. and, go- and goatee would, uh, you know, or so that would grow into, grow into that. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it, it looked, uh, <laughs> I like that. I, I, I didn't think the mask was that, was that great, but you know, and you're right. no, yeah, I stand by my, you know, I stick by my opinion that it wasn't that great, but it was interesting to hear all the work that went into yeah, it. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, which one would you take? Would you take Duke's makeup or Nathan's CPR? 
Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, it's been it's, it's been uh, it's been a minute since I've had to do CPR. Uh, by the way, your mother and I both used to be CPR certified. Yeah. So but, is this proper? Tell us. Uh, let's break down Nathan's technique on CPR. So first thing, he's not flat. He's <laughs> on the steps, and he's supposed <laughs> to be aged to like the point of like uh, let's, let's just say let's throw it out there like a hundred. You know, okay. 90, 90 to 100 years old. Uh-huh. So his bones are as brittle and fragile as can possibly be. And then Nathan's got him on cement steps and he's just going to town on that chest. He probably would have caved his chest in. I mean, you know, do you think he had osteo- Do you think he had osteoponosis? Is that what? Uh, is that yeah. what he? Oh, your, gra- your grandmother called it osteoponosis. Yeah. Osteoponosis. That's right. Osteoponosis. That's right. She had osteoponosis. Uh, which is osteoporosis. Yeah, we, we, know actually, the, yeah. <laughs> we know it's not, but uh, my mother and his grandmother, uh, late grandmother, uh, she was, uh, we mentioned it last week's episode. She has, she has, she has a way with words, we could say. But, uh, there's, a, there's another one, Os- Yeah. If you, yeah. Oh, I think it was in our Patreon episode. Oh, that's right. It was it. in our Patreon episode. So if you guys listen to that, then you would uh, be, uh, you guys would have the, the first step on the inside, the inside look on. Lila-isms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Lila's dictionary. Uh, soon <laughs> yeah. to replace Webster's, I hear. Oh, well, definitely. I mean, grammatically, I mean, it's far superior. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's on these concrete steps at a uh, at a bad angle, right? Right. I, I think he would have actually killed him with that CPR. Because <laughs> uh, he needs to be level, flat. right? He needs yeah, to be flat, flat level. And uh, and with, with some with severe elderly, uh, well, I don't say severe, but, you know, yeah. very elderly people, you, 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 you can't push, like, you know, your your normal chest compression. It's kind of like when, right. with, when it's a baby, you use two fingers. You know, you, you would probably mm-hmm. want to use like three fingers just on, on someone of that age, that fragility. But, you know, it, you know, and, and Nathan is a cop, so he should be, you know, CPR certified. certified. So that that was, you know, it, it, look, it, it looked kind of goofy. You know, I, I know I used to be a medical worker in but uh-huh. that looked kind of goofy. I mean, I wasn't a medical worker, and I was like, "This doesn't look right, like at all." Now, now do do I like what was said during that scene between them? I I did, you know, when yeah. Duke asked him if you know, do you do you really hate me? And you know, Nathan hates a strong word, and and that was probably like the best thing about the episode was the Duke and Nathan relationship thing. I really like that. I enjoyed uh, Dave and. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Vincent and Dave, their banter. Uh, yeah, yeah. We hadn't gotten yeah. like a good Dave and Vince scene outside of the like watch Audrey dress, like uh, <laughs> pervs. Yeah, yeah, the fucking peep show. Other than that, we haven't really got Vince and Dave scenes since the pilot. So it was really refreshing getting to kind of have fun with them again. Oh, yeah. The, I love the, you know, I, you cast like Grandmama. Well, Grandmama was a tough lady. I take that as a compliment. Yeah, I really like the Grandmama thing. That was pretty cool. But then they leave the scene, and then we don't we, we don't get any more uh, Colorado Kid, at, at, you know, anything related to it. Yeah. They're, uh, Audrey they're kinda... asks them, and they, 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 they do their usual. They play stupid about, about it. Well, also pretty, like, shitty of Audrey to choose this moment. They just saw, like, a dead body. You know, they might be traumatized. She's like, Hey, uh, so I know you just found a dead body while you guys are trying to fish and have a good day. Can you tell me more about this, like, Lucy character? And they're like, what? You know, can you imagine getting blitzed like that? Like, you just <laughs> found a dead body, and then someone's like, okay, here, um, you know, tell me what you think about these chemtrails. You'd be like, whoa, 
what are we talking about like conspiracy stuff like now like what's going on um well and that's that's the thing to keep in mind though is that uh this is a rewatch so we kind of know more about dave sure. and, you know, and we read the book and all so we know more about dave and, and vincent audrey uh, they should be just two normal older guys to her at this stage and you know stage in the season she that would like you were saying it'd be shocking you come up there and you know i just saw a dead body and then you see vincent's like vincent's uh been staring at that damn tattoo uh, on the boat and it, it, it'd be like kind of like in the uh the first uh, first episode when she runs up to ptsd dude yeah <laughs> hey, you know. that's so. a pretty that's a pretty big theme of the episode though is audrey's lack of work life balance right she isn't able to balance her work and uh outside life which is evidenced in the like bet she makes with Duke, which was probably my favorite part of the episode was the bet was really fun because you know Audrey's going to lose. You know Audrey's going to lose. And then it tied into the plot nicely too. Well, when, when Audrey, you know, Audrey and Nathan are talking and, you know, and she's giving him shit for playing golf like a normal person. You know, <laughs> and what's your hobby? Crime scenes. Come, come on. Yeah, you know. Do you think was, Nathan's a good golfer? It depends how well he can feel that club. Is there... <laughs> Is there, is there like a body type for golfers, you know? Because like, you know, like for basketball, football, like there's like a kind of body, you know, an ideal body type. Is there like, some, if you're like, oh, this person's too tall, this person's too short or too stocky or whatever. Is there anything like that for golf? I don't like know anything about golf. Uh, it really changed around, you know, kind of when Tiger. Before that, it wasn't, I don't think there really was a, you know, necessarily a type. But then like in the tight, at the start of the Tiger era, they, mm-hmm. uh, golfers started training. And, uh, you know, but still most people were, you know, they might be kind of, you know, cutting the arms and chest a bit, you know, in their legs because, you know, you need that for golf. I didn't, uh, I didn't know until recently that I just found out the other day that his name's not even Tiger. Tiger is not his first name. Do you know that? I didn't think it was, but I couldn't remember what his real it's first Eldrick. name was. Eldrick. His name's Eldrick Woods. Doesn't he, isn't he the King of the Elves in uh, The Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of individual sports, we get a that tennis scene with Eleanor. You're a avid tennis player, so tell me how does Eleanor's form look? Oh my God, Eleanor's form is just ridiculous. Okay, I, you know, I'm not a great tennis player, and I play three to four times a week. I wouldn't be surprised if Eleanor. That's the first time Eleanor's picked up a racket. She was, that, that wasn't even, there's no way she's played tennis before. That, that is a, a beginner's. So it's, it's, so the scene's just ridiculous right off the bat, the way she's just, she's got all the tennis gear, you know, like the tennis skirt and all of that. Yeah. And she's machine. just swinging wildly that nothing close to a good forehand stroke. And it just bothered me because it, I can tell Eleanor hasn't played, played tennis before. If she has, uh, she gained absolutely nothing out of, out of the out of the experience. She did not learn a thing about. Do you uh, think her? Uh, do you think her trouble is in times of stress? She loses her tennis abilities or something, or when no. the when it's when it when the wind when the temperature is at a certain air outside. She how do you know she's not normally like uh, Sharapova or something like? Uh, but except when someone else's trouble is activated, she loses her tennis skills. I don't remember an episode on that. Uh, <laughs> Down, down the road if, if there is a season you know, eight it's in season eight it's in the patreon episodes of the show yeah no she it's just that she's never played tennis so it's just ridiculous i mean and then you know i like that you know she was uh, talking shit to the ball machine i did like that that's yeah, funny and, and, that, and, that, and that's doc eleanor that's who you know she is she's good at that type with that, that type of levity but uh then the old dude then joe uh, old joe campbell but i don't know he's joe campbell till the ball machine spits the ball out that it hits him in the head and kills him, knocks him down and kills him. <laughs> Granted, 
yeah, you know, Joe Campbell was dying of old age and he you know, wandered to the tennis court. The ball machine was not at an angle where it could have hit Joe Campbell. So it's just, that just, oh, I hated that fucking scene. I mean, I, I did like the part where Doc, where, where Doc's like, uh, well, so, you know, they died, died of old age. They were in their, he was in his thirties, but he died of old age. That's not scientifically possible, but this is Haven. So, yeah. I mean, so I, I like that. I just, the scene is, as a tennis player, I was like, oh, you besmirched the sport. And it turns out the reason why they did it there is because the ice hockey stadium next to it that they housed their, uh, their sound stage in is right next to it. So they just went outside and filmed it. Uh, for, yeah, and they, I understand. I'm they, guessing they, they ran out of time and stuff. And we're just like, uh, yeah, they don't meet Doc Eleanor at the doctor's office. She's just playing tennis. And they're like, get her a tennis outfit and let's just shoot this right outside. Yeah. And that, that's, yeah, I, I, I didn't like that. I, I mean, I, like I said, I like Doc Eleanor, you know, like her clips and all of that and the information mm-hmm. she gives them. Just the, the tennis, just, uh, yeah. Oh, God. This, so this episode double does it for you. As somebody who was CPR certified for a while and a tennis player, this episode's just... And have you ever grown... <laughs> let's say if you've grown a ridiculous mustache and soul patch, uh, overgrown, because then, uh, you know, you might criticize that. You could probably criticize that too. Have yeah, you ever grown the Fu Manchu? I've never grown... No, no. And we know <laughs> I can't do a goatee. Uh, genetics just won't allow that. Yeah, I think I'm more... Uh, can do the Fu Manchu closer than I think you could. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> it's just not. It's not really. Well, I guess technically I could grow the mustache so freaking long that it would hang down, but it, it never seems to get that thick. I don't. Know. It's one of those things. Yeah, I, 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 and I'm okay with that. You know, I'll take that as a plus in my book. But then, there was a you know a couple couple scenes like that that you know. Okay, so what do you think about at the bait shop? When when they they do the stakeout, what do you think about the suspect who di- who do, didn't run after Nathan said to him, "Hey, don't make me chase you." There's a funny line, and maybe this is just because like I'm a writer too. In my head, totally like uh, they didn't want to do a chase scene or didn't have the time or budget or something, and it was a like, yeah, they need to talk to this guy, but I don't want to really write out all this shit. So you know, they, he kind of just shows up and they say, uh, "Don't make me chase you," and he surrenders immediately. Scene is totally unnecessary in my opinion. That scene didn't need to exist. I mean, honestly, the tattoo parlor also really didn't need to exist either. Obviously, the tattoo parlor. He says he made it, but it's gonna turn out to be way older. You know, is that gonna? That means that means it's gonna invalidate what that guy said at the tattoo parlor. So that scene can honestly go as well. Uh, they could just get some like information, or you know, Duke, because Duke has tattoos, right? Duke could just look at the photo of like the crime scene or something and be like, yeah, you know, like that's not what a tattoo would look like on an old guy. I would know I have tattoos. Uh, so they could have honestly done that scene in like lickety split instead of doing the whole tattoo parlor. And then they could have gotten rid of that lobster poacher scene entirely as well, in my opinion. I don't think it gave any relevant information that we didn't already know where he's like, yeah, my buddy fucked Helena and uh, then he aged to death. And it's like, okay, well, we already know Joe Campbell's making out with her. And the next thing we know, he's aging to death. Like, so- so the, what I decided to do was throw his body on the boat under a yeah. tarp <laughs> and just push him out to sea. That's how. <laughs> that's how... also strange, like just choice to make. Like, yeah, I mean, why not? I, I know they're supposed to be poachers, and poachers poaching is illegal. Is illegal, but come, but come on, man, it's not like they're they're in the syndicate or some shit. You know, <laughs> Christ, fucking call a call a fucking ambulance, drop them off at the fucking ER, and don't yep. just. Throw them in a bowl. <laughs> Burial at sea. There we go. I mean, that'd be cool Arr. if we set them on fire, but then we wouldn't have a body. Yeah, uh, we wouldn't have a body, and we wouldn't get to see the tattoo. That's going to be so important. 
I, I just I don't think they would have run. And I actually did listen to the commentary, and it confirmed what you said that they didn't have time for a chasing, and they thought that was a cool way to do it. And it's another one of those situations where, uh, once again, I can't let that influence me. I, I didn't like it at the time. I thought it was kind of funny, but yeah, like, yeah. they always run. They always <laughs> run. And then, you know, so it wasn't like it, it, it didn't bug me like it, like the tennis scene bugged me. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it didn't bug me. I was just like, ah, yeah, they ran out of time. And this is just how they solved this situation. Another scene, I, I won't say it necessarily bothered me, but I just thought, thought it was interesting. Audrey and uh, Nathan are talking to the bartender and the bartender is talking about Helena. She asks if, you know, Helena paid for her tab with a credit card and the bartender's like, uh, a girl like that has never paid for a drink in her life. Does, does that fly in 2020? Uh, you know, that's, like a, that's just a stark reality. Um, like regardless of if it's like uh, a reality that's nice or whatever, it's just, it is true. I think hilariously, I think you're, you've been more, I think you're more, active in having gone out to bars and I like have been, you know, even though like 20 <laughs> year age difference. Um, so I think like, I don't know if you like have noticed, I know like, you know, in times that I do go out, I was, you know, like in, for example, one time I worked on a, on a movie and we were staying in a hotel and a bunch of guys on the crew and stuff were buying the lead actress like drinks all the time. So I know she didn't pay for shit. Right. And it's also, it's also not just like attractive women. Like I said, I knew a little person and he said that he had never paid for He hadn't paid for a drink in like a decade because everybody feels bad for him or wants to, you know, like talk to him or make him feel better. You know, they think that he feels bad. So they want to like make him feel good. And so everybody buys him drinks. And I saw it too. I saw people constantly buying him shots and drinks and he was getting fucking tanked because of it. <laughs> and, you know, he just has less like body mass. Uh, so he was getting just like fucked up and like didn't pay for a single drink. Um, so it does happen. And I'm sure, you know, we're in a small town in Maine. I don't know what the, what the, if we looked at the ratio, the gender ratio in Maine, but I would imagine more men. I don't know if it's like Alaska levels, but if you're in this small town where fishermen, you know, are your fishermen and stuff is like your main uh, economy or whatever, then I would imagine it's probably mostly male. I'm not saying there aren't females. Like I know there's female, like lobster, blah, blah, blah. But I would imagine it's male, just at least over 50% male. So there's these guys hanging out at these bars, they're off of work. So yeah, and they're trying to get the you know this new girl and this new attractive woman in a small town, uh, in this cool bar that just opened up. You know, you're fucking, <laughs> you know, you want a <laughs> newly renovated bar. Uh, so I can understand everybody dropping money on her. So I don't think it's I don't think it's sexist or like uh, of the, you know of 2010. Like I think there was other things like we said that were like in 2020. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and like I so just you know trying to you know see if it ages to, well to this yeah, time yeah. Oh, that's my take uh, i don't know maybe someone maybe our if our audience disagrees they can reach out to us i saw a little tidbit on the wiki that a week before this episode came out warehouse 13 came out with a rapid aging episode what are the odds on sci-fi and i mean you watched warehouse 13 back then i don't i don't i doubt you remember but uh I wonder how you felt at the time being like, Jesus Christ, like sci-fi. And maybe it would be hilarious as if Eureka had one too, you know? Well, and, and there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a succubus episodes. I mean, through. Yeah. Most of these shows. And also you see this in Hollywood too, right? Like volcano and Dante's peak coming out. What within a year of each other, uh, Armageddon and deep impact came out like within a year or like a year apart or something. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Steve that was Jobs. a weird phenomenon. Yeah. 
It happens yeah. a lot, actually. Like it's it's pretty weird. What recently there was one I can't remember, or uh, the Illusionist and the Prestige come out like the same fucking like almost like the same month or something. Uh, if anyone else has any of these funny movie pairs <laughs> that has no relevance to the Haven, uh, you not know, email all. us, not tweet us. Uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, just you know. You know, this is the show's for you. So if you want us to talk about movies, uh, you know, just just don't assign us ones we haven't seen. If you want a Patreon episode breaking down Volcano versus Dante's Peak, ju- you just gotta ask. You just that's gotta how, ask. That's how much we love our listeners. We're willing to watch horrible movies for your sake. You know, that's how much you mean <laughs> to us. So we appreciate it. Was there there wasn't a rapid aging episode in? Was there ever one in Eureka? I can't think of one. I can't think of one. We could be wrong. Oh, yeah. We had a question last week that we posed to the audience that uh, mostly as a joke, but I did go up and look up the information was when we were talking about it. I couldn't we couldn't remember if they were called the Losers Club or not. It is. I've looked it up. We were correct. They are definitively called the Losers Club um, when we were talking about Bobby Mueller's potential mother in it. All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode. We'll be returning to the town beneath the town in uh, another week. The quickest way to reach us is by email. You can contact contact us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. You can find us on a treasure trove of services where you listen to your podcasts like Apple, Google, Podbean, SoundCloud, Stitcher. I think I already said that at the beginning. We'll have the podcast up on YouTube. Uh, if that's all that is available to you, but there won't be video. We would certainly appreciate a review or a like, depending on what service you use. And if you could just hit that subscribe button, it only takes a second, please. If you want the podcast straight from the source, you can visit us at troubledpodcast.com. We'll have all our episodes, news, and the like all in one place for you. And if you want to follow us on Twitter for updates, you can follow us at Havens Troubled. That's a capital H and a capital T. Last but not least, if you like what we've been doing so far, I'm sure you're sick of us mentioning it at this point. We are on Patreon. Just search for Troubled, a return to Haven. There's going to be links in the show notes. Uh, We're doing exclusive episodes on there. Uh, This month, we'll be adding a new episode that is uh, also TBD. But our first episode that we did on Troubled with Extra Syrup, as our Patreon series is called, was uh, coverage on The Colorado Kid, the novella that inspired Haven by Stephen King. Uh, We only have one tier that's $5 a month. We'd love if you could support us in that way. There's costs, you know, that we, uh, we love doing it and we want to do this for you, but there are some costs and Patreon and other things always help. Um, We're always excited for listener feedback. So, you know, please uh, reach out to us. We want to hear from you and we want to, uh, we have tons of questions because we're incompetent and ill research that we need you guys to support us and help us on. So reach out. And once again, thank you for listening. We truly value your listenership. And uh, like Alex said, you know, please, if you can, like, like, our, like our podcast and uh, recommend it. Tell your friends who would be interested in something like this. It might not be grandma's cup of tea, but we, <laughs> once again, we appreciate you listening. And believe me, once again, that we, uh, you don't want to see a video of this. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be pretty, but so thanks again for listening. Everyone, please be safe. And most importantly, please remember, never let your troubles get you down. Put the headphones on. Troubled all day, every day.